like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. This is the account of the vision that the prophet Isaiah saw of the Lord. It is uh, really effectively his call to the prophetic ministry. And this passage is well known. It ends with, here am I, send me. And, you know, I had to really fight this in the nine o'clock service, that that's not where I ended up, because we've got another Sunday, and I usually go straight to the, for the jugular vein, that we are all called to serve God. And if only we could see God in all His glory and power, we'd be that much more willing to serve Him. And here in Kensington Temple, our vision and goal for every single one of you is that you become servants of Jesus Christ, disciples of Christ and disciple makers of others. So we don't just play church on Sundays. We come together on Sunday to top up, but we go out into the week to work for Him and to serve Him and to share the, the gospel with others. And we will end up there at some stage in this message. I guess. But I really want to focus on the first part of it. And the Bible reading, which you'll find on the screen, will be taken from the English Standard Version. Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of Him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. I saw the Lord. There can be no fulfillment of your life call, your purpose for being on the planet without seeing Him. Dudley, in his offering talk 
mentioned that scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 where Paul prays that we might receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might know him and all that he has for us. When we talk about seeing Jesus, I think most every person, man and woman of faith today will say, I've seen the Lord. How many can join with me and say, yes, I've seen him? But what do we actually mean by that? For some, it really does mean that they have seen him in some amazing vision. Not just in their mind's eye of faith, but many people testify to having had experiences by which they have seen Jesus just as really as they say they are watching us right now. I've never had that. But whether it is some experience of a visual revelation, manifestation, a visible manifestation of Christ in some way or another, or whether it is through the eye of faith, when we, when we say we see him, we are talking about something very, very real. And that's what I've been thinking about in recent weeks. I thought I would have long, in-depth Bible studies with myself, going deeper and deeper into the Hebrew, and deeper and deeper into the Greek, and deeper and deeper into theology, geology, or anything else you need to dig out. But I found myself over these last weeks just thinking about what I've just said. Isaiah said, I want you to know, I saw him. No, no, you don't understand. I saw the Lord. And just pause for a moment. What do we make of this? Now, we know that these Bible characters were vehicles of very special revelation. Through a process which we call biblical inspiration and the Bible does say that all Scripture is inspired. God breathed. These men received vision and revelation which was so sure and so authoritative that they became the very words of Scripture upon which we can depend and say this is the Word of God. Now Isaiah, being a prophet, needed a special revelation of God and of the character of God so that he would be equipped to bring an infallible word to the people of God of his day, inscripturated for us, recorded for us, becoming for us also a sure and certain word from God. Remember this, Christianity is a revealed religion. It's not something invented by human beings, not even something that we have discovered after endless sessions of philosophy and thinking and meditating and coming to various forms of insight. Many religions could boast of such a thing. But when we speak about our faith in Jesus Christ, we're talking about a revelation that has come directly from heaven. And this revelation of God in Christ that Isaiah saw, together with 
all of the other revelations, visitations, manifestations, miracles, words and oracles from God have been collected together for us in Scripture over history that we can be sure that when we open our Bibles, we can meet with the same true and the living God. Isaiah needed to see him before he could really testify and speak about him. And I believe this is so relevant for us today. People of God, we need a fresh revelation of Christ to our hearts, to our spirit. And not just something like so we can say, yeah, we, we believe. But we can say more than that. We know. Because real biblical faith is not just an idea we hold in our minds. Real biblical faith connects with the reality of who God is. So let's have a look at this. Isaiah says, first of all, I saw the Lord. A little clue for you if you don't already know it. Most of the introductions in the translations in English tell us in the Bible. Uh, tell us how that when the word Yahweh, which is the divine name of God, is used, the Lord, it's capital letters, L-O-R-D. But here it is not the divine covenant name, but it's the name Adonai, which means the master. The master. The real and only master of the universe. And Isaiah says, I saw him. And we know the Bible says no man has ever seen God in his essential nature and character. He is invisible to the human eye. And in that, in that sense, we can never ever see him unless God manifested himself. And who was manifested here in John chapter 12 and verse 41, we have the testimony of John that Isaiah saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw Jesus' glory. Remember, although this was 8th century BC, 700 years before Christ came into the world, Christ always existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and that Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. So Isaiah sees Christ, the second person of the Trinity. Remember that we believe in one God who exists eternally in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that is not complicated. Don't ever let people tell you that, oh, it's too complicated. It's not complicated. We have one God, one being who exists in three persons. You are one being and one person because you are only human. But God is one being in three persons. He is bigger than we are. And the second person of the Trinity is the Word, the one who reveals God. So every manifestation of God is a manifestation of our beloved Lord Jesus Christ. And He is the Lord. He is the Master of the universe. And that's what struck me. Knowing, as I do, I study a little bit about this, the history. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died... Now you can look up for yourself and read about King Uzziah. I've got it all here for you if we really need to go through it. But you can check it out for yourself. He was a very great king. 
He did many, many things and he was blessed in many ways. But he went too far. He crossed the boundary. And he entered into the temple of, of God and he said, The priests, they're authorized to offer incense and I will do the same. And as he did it, he broke God's commandment. Because the kings were given a different function. Always stay within the anointing that God has given you. Don't be jealous of somebody else's anointing. When you look at these singers and musicians and you say, I wish I could sing and say whatever they said so quickly. I wish I could do that. I don't, I don't have the rhythm. Uh, I've got every, everything else. As you know, I'm one of the best singers that God has ever placed on the planet. Uh, yes, all right. Okay, in my dreams. When you see somebody standing and preaching and, and if that anointing's on you, go for it. But don't try and be who you're not. Be who you are. One of the most significant things you can do in life is discover who you are in Christ and what He's given you to live out in your life. Don't ever move from that. Be yourself. He crossed the boundary and, and, and this was very, very serious and he was struck with leprosy. And some Bible scholars say that that was the year he died. Not as it were physically. He didn't die to 740. And this is probably when this revelation came. But you know, I'm rather interested in the school of thought that says the year King Uzziah died was at that moment. Because he was excluded from the presence of God and just kept to one side. Don't ever, ever cross the boundary. Stick within what God has called you to do and be. And that's where you will flourish. Now, interesting how that once flesh is out of the way. Oh, dear Jesus. Oh, dear Jesus. May I never pass into the presence of God till I see the church of Jesus Christ restored to its rightful owner. Let Jesus be God. Let Jesus be Lord. Amen. Let's get rid of flesh. Let's get rid of man's ideas and traditions and all the kind of stuff that gets in the way. Get the flesh out of the way and God will manifest himself. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the real king. That's what, that's what Isaiah is saying. And he says, I see him, I saw him seated on a throne. Never forget this. God is the ultimate reality and ruler over all things. If only modern man would acknowledge that. If only we would say, God, you not only exist, but you created all things. All things come from you made for you, and I yield my life to you. No other God in my life. No one else do I serve. You know, one of the things that I think we really somehow need a fresh revelation on, and that is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. One of the things that will surprise us most when we see him is how glorious 
and kingly he is. He is Lord. He's king. And that means no argument, total surrender. Amen? Pure obedience. He, it's his right, it's his due. He has all authority. And so many believers, they take what they like, they pick it, pick what they want, and ignore the rest. And preachers, and I think we're right to do so, are always trying to encourage us along the path of obedience. And there's lots of ways in which we do this to help entice people into, in the paths of righteousness. To talk about how wonderful it is to walk with the Lord. To talk about the rewards that come when we follow His way. When Jesus teaches, He will, he will give a commandment, but in, that, in the same breath, He will talk about the blessings that follow. The rewards that come. And that's amazing. He doesn't have to do that. He is Lord. He should just say, do it and shut up. Do it because I say so. Do it because I'm Lord. Do it because I am God. Don't argue. Just do it. You know the way he speaks to your kids sometimes? Why? Because I say so. I've run out of all the other reasons. And he could do that. And that would be his right, and that would be enough, and we would still need to say, yes, Lord, amen? But of course, he wants us to be, <laughs> we'll put it this way, he calls us to be sons, not slaves, and the obedience that we owe him is an obedience, of course, of who he is, but also it's the obedience of love, it's the obedience of relationship. But let's pause for a little while and think about how glorious he is. It says, seated on a throne, a place of absolute authority, no higher authority. Everything must surrender and everything will surrender. Believe me, the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But it says, I see him high and lifted up. What a blessing. What a blessing that our God is so big, he is exalted infinitely above and beyond everything that we see. He is not part of this created world. He is the eternal, uncreated God who exists eternally outside of the world of space and time. He is this exalted God transcendent God who is high and exalted above all things. He, and to be in the presence of uncreated spirit is awesome. And we need that. We need that. And I think it's significant too because it means that if he is infinitely exalted above all things created, because he is the eternal uncreated God, then he is infinitely above everything that can come into your life, 
It means that he is exalted above, beyond, and over every situation, every circumstance, every problem, every struggle, every trial, every tear, every pain, and everything that you consider to have gone wrong. He is Lord over all things. He's not part of the problem. He is the solution. Infinitely exalted. And that means when we worship and, and everybody's saying, guys, uh, since this summer when you had your worship conference together and the, and the uh, uh, time together, how God has touched our musicians. I've had testimony after testimony and people have sent in emails how the anointing of God is deepening and strengthening upon the worship life of the church. Oh God, grant us an autumn of worship that we've never experienced in our, in our, in our lives before. When we worship Him, we are worshiping the Holy Other One, the One who is this mysterious, glorious, wonderful God who is so different from us. He is not man. He is God, and He deserves worship. No one is to be worshipped, only God to be worshipped. Oh, Father, pour out a fresh spirit of worship upon this church that we might worship you in spirit and truth as who you really are. And the, and the seraphim, these are not regular angels. It appears to me these are living creatures created by God to exist always in his presence, and they, they cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Heaven and earth is full of his glory. That's all they do. They are in the presence of God 24-7, and all they do is worship him because they acknowledge him for who he is, and that kind of worship is the worship that we've been gifted in the body of Christ through the Holy Spirit, the spirit of worship, and we approach him in the same spirit. Hallelujah. Worship him, anointed in his wonderful presence. But that's not the whole part of this revelation. There is something even more mind-blowing than that. Because Isaiah doesn't just say, I saw him. Yeah, he was sitting on a throne. And he was high and lifted up. High. There he was, exalted. Far, far, far away. I saw him. He goes on to say, the train of his robe filled the temple. What is God saying? He's saying, I am the high and holy one, the lofty one who inhabits eternity. Yes, I am. But I am also present here with you amongst my people. The train of the robe filled 
the temple. And the temple was filled with smoke. What is this? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the original holy smoke. You heard that expression? This is it. Holy smoke. Ain't nothing to do with tobacco. Nothing to do with... Um, L'autre chose qui, uh, on a vu qui, quelqu'un fume, ici et là peut-être, nothing to do with any of this stuff. I can only think of the French name of it. Oh yes, marijuana. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, <laughs> he, he, they weren't doping in the house of God. This was God's Shekinah presence, His glory, which looked like a kind of smoke, but not the smoke that gets in your eyes, not that kind of acrid smoke, but the holy, glorious, shimmering presence of God manifesting, filling His temple, and oh, what amazing promises this evokes, this vision evokes. Because it says, God is our God, we're His people. This is the covenant-making, covenant-keeping God. You will be my people, and I will be your God, and I will dwell in your midst. Oh, hallelujah. God wants to dwell amongst us. And manifest His presence amongst us. That is the true temple of God. That is the true church of Jesus Christ. That's what makes us different. The only difference between us and them is Him. That's why we must seek His presence. And enjoy His presence. And recognize His presence. The temple was filled with the train of his robe. And you know, the, the, the promise here is extraordinary. And um, I'm not in heavily teaching mode this morning, and maybe we'll come back to it, but we, we could do a very, an in-depth study to show what we might call temple teaching. Temple teaching. And just do a little sketch. In the Old Testament, God said, make me a tabernacle, which was like a kind of prefabricated tent-like cathedral. And they packed it up, and it went around the wilderness with them, and God manifested His presence. And then God caused a temple to be built, Solomon's temple. And this is where God put His name, and where people would come and meet with God, and they would have their needs met, and God would vindicate them, and God would bless them, and God would teach them, and God would reveal Himself. And so here we have this temple teaching, the idea of the temple. And what happened in later history, in the history of the Jewish people, God withdrew His presence from the temple because they broken His covenant, and that He said, I will come back. Yes, I'm not 
gone for good. I will come back. I will come back in a new covenant. And in this new covenant, it will be even more glorious than the former covenant. And in this new restored temple, my presence will be freely available. And all of my people will have equal access into my presence by the blood of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that is the temple to which we belong. Amen. And we know that when it talks about the high and holy one coming and filling a temple, that was fulfilled, first of all, when Jesus came into this world. He came, the word was made flesh, and he tabernacled amongst us, meaning he manifested himself in a temple. And the first temple was the temple of his own body. Do you recall that? When they criticized Jesus because he said, destroy this temple and in the third day I will raise it up again. Do you remember that? And they said, what is he talking about? This temple to be destroyed and he's going to rebuild it in three days. But the commentator says, no, no, no. He was talking about the temple of his own body. So in the body of Jesus on this earth, the glory of God was present. And Jesus, three years or so of public ministry, was building a new temple community. All the activity of God was taking place through the ministry of Jesus. The temple courts were barren. They were going through the motions, but the real presence of God was living and moving and breathing in the person of Jesus Christ. When you needed to meet with God, you met with Jesus. When you needed a miracle, you had a touch from Jesus. When you needed wisdom, you had a word from Jesus. Jesus was the temple of God. Hallelujah. And he built a new community so that he could dwell amongst them and manifest himself to them. But all of that was just for a short period of time. And afterwards he was crucified and then raised again from the dead. And now he is the head of a new temple community, the church of Jesus Christ. And now his presence fills his body, the temple, you and me. I'm not talking about Kensington Temple building. I'm talking about Kensington Temple people. And not just Kensington Temple people. I'm talking about all of God's stones, living stones, being built into a habitation of God. And so when Isaiah sees the Lord and his presence filling the temple, he is prophesying of the coming of Christ into this world to manifest the glory of God. And he's prophesying beyond the time of the earthly ministry of Jesus when he was, as we see him in the Gospels, prophesying beyond that time to the new era of the new temple of God, the people of God filled with the Holy Spirit, surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, having him enthroned as Lord over their lives and his presence filling every part of our lives. You know, all this is very exciting to me, and uh, I've spent a lot of time in this, and it's blessed me. 
You know when you are sharing a word with other people, whether on a one-to-one in your small groups or, or like I am today before a larger group of people, there's a question that always hits us as, as preachers and communicators of God's word. It's, I call it the so what part of the message. So what? It's great to rehearse great truth, but so what? And here's the so what element of this message. This is what I want you to take with you. I want you to take away the understanding that you, together, are the temple of God. Community. Community. Now, so often, we will rejoice in the fact that Christ lives in me. Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ lives in me. Hallelujah. But that's just the individualistic approach. It's true. But there's another dimension that we have got to master. And it's the missing element in Western Christian expression in our generation. It's this community, corporate dimension. Yeah. It's not just that he lives in you, but he lives in us as a community. And he manifests himself in the temple, not just in individuals. Thank God for that individual anointing. I mean, I know some people, you probably know them as well, you could put them in the middle of anywhere and they will flourish for God because so powerful is God's presence in them and on them. Let's aspire to that. Amen? But that's not how God does it. God doesn't just do it through us as individuals. He does it through us together. So this autumn, get yourself connected into the community, the Holy Spirit-filled community of God's people expressed through the vision of this house, this expression of His temple. We spend a lot of time building the cell structure, which is just a structure. It's nothing. We need you to be connected, to say, I'm going to be connected with my brothers and sisters because if Jesus is Lord, I'm going to need some help because there's stuff in my life where he's not Lord over. You know what I'm talking about? There's stuff going on in me where I need some help because I need to surrender to the Lordship of Christ and I've got some stuff in my life that needs to get out of my life. The living free is one way into how you can experience your freedom and liberty in Christ. But to walk daily with brothers and sisters, there's no way you can do that by coming on once a week on a Sunday and going off into sweet nothing for the rest of the week. You need to be connected 24-7 and seven days out of each week with God's people in this house so that God can be who he wants to be and manifest himself in and through our lives. So what have we seen? 
we've seen that vision comes before commission. If you don't see him, you're not going to serve him. Isaiah only heard the call because he saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he was caught up into this conversation. Whom shall we send? Who will go for us? He said, you're looking for somebody? Here I am. That would never have happened. He said he'd seen the Lord. And that's what's missing in many of your lives. No, well, I, I, I'm, I'm asking me to do this. They want me to be a witness. They want me to be evangelized. They want me to be to 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 be a disciple. They want me to make disciples. They want me to, to be the, to be a worker for Jesus. I tell you, when you've seen him, you'll no longer be a shirker. You will be a worker. We've seen that revelation comes before action. How can you surrender in terms of your life until you've seen him? For who he is. We've seen that all this depends on historical testimony. Isaiah said, I saw the Lord. Can you say, well, Mr. Mr. Isaiah, we know that you're trying to uh, get a good CV uh, in your prophetic ministry. And so you've added this to your CV. No, I saw the Lord. Well, nobody can see God. Who do you think you are? I saw the Lord. When they argued and argued, and he said, I don't care what you say. I know what I saw. I saw the Lord. And this is what he's like. And this is what he says. And this is what he wants. History. Isaiah was a real person. He had a real encounter with a real God. And we know, fast forward until New Testament times, when Jesus came, he was flesh and blood. They were able to say, look what our eyes have seen, what our hands have handled concerning the word of life. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This is historical fact. God has invaded our planet and made himself known in the person of Jesus Christ. History. And we've seen that this is ultimate reality. There's nobody behind that. Okay, so we, Isaiah, you saw the Lord? Yeah. And I and, uh, saw the Lord. Who, who, who else was there? What, 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 I saw the Lord. Well, was there something higher? I saw the Lord. No, a, a, any other God? No, no, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. One God. And this is he, ultimate reality. And we simply surrender and say, God, you want a relationship with me through Jesus Christ. Even the thing that is blocking me more than anything else, that's my own sin you've dealt with. For on the altar, Christ died as a sacrifice. And that burning coal that purges sin is a picture of the purging power of the blood of Jesus Christ to take away our sin, uh, remove it completely and bring transformation into our lives. And so we say, dear Father, let God be true and every man a liar. We say, dear Father, you are the Lord. You are the God. 
We say, no flesh shall glory in your presence. And we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Would the music team step back onto the platform? We have some few minutes left this morning. Why don't you go back to that song we sang earlier, I, I Saw the Lord. Let's sing it this time now with renewed understanding. Would you stand in His presence? And this is a, an opportunity to allow God's Spirit to rest upon our lives afresh. And as you worship Him and lift Him up, you are exalting Him above every difficulty, above every pain. I, I read an amazing testimony just before I came out. I don't know if he's here. Is Venita here? Venita, are you here? Uh, Venita's husband, his name escapes me. Hugo. go for an operation just before the operation after prayer the growth had completely disappeared and there was nothing there we have Ken Ken Barton finally finally retired no longer working for us but a new life beginning with Christine marrying getting married in a couple of weeks time you got something to praise God about so whether your testimony is I've been healed or I'm getting married at the right young age or, or maybe you really consider yourself to be under the circumstances today in pain and pressure and problems and stress ah, it doesn't matter whether you're up or down he is always exalted he is king of kings and lord of lords and he deserves our worship today come on everybody i saw the lord let's worship him everybody lifting holy hands
Stretch out your hands to him. It's as if you want to reach out and touch him. Let his presence fill you today. Let the holy dew of heaven rest upon you. The fragrance of another world of the kingdom of God. 
I speak strength. I speak joy. I speak freedom and deliverance over your lives. And may the presence of God rest upon you and abide with you always. For He, He is the Holy One of Israel. Amen and amen. That's right, give Jesus a big, big praise this morning. Come on, people of God, a big praise.